What's going on, everybody? And welcome back for another episode of Silver Screen Surfers. I'm one of your hosts, Andrew Taylor. And with me, as always, my co-host, Benjamin Pilichinski. Ben, how are nah, you doing? Good, man. I'm about to turn. The, we're about we yeah. we are about to turn yeah, that dirty 30. It's right around yeah. the corner. This is my last weekend of being in my 20s. I hate it, dude. Because <laughs> I'm depressed. It's hey, man. It's just another number. You know, this is when our uh, we we peak is in our 30s. Is what yeah. I've heard. So, yeah. I'm, you know, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. I'm going to yeah. be the uh, youngest uh, NBA rookie uh, coming up here. Shit. So it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. Don't even worry wow. about it. I just started practicing. So, but they'll pick me. Wow, up. can't wait for the the NBA to be debut. Uh, <sighs> yeah, I'll probably be on. the I wolves. might be on the bench, but you know that's. Dude, all I will. I, I'll hold a towel for you. Oh, sick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have our special guest today, uh, Alex Felker, from the Endless Summer Mariners Baseball Podcast. Alex, how's it going? Yeah, it's going pretty well. Um, Good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. It's I'm excited to be here. I love I love movies, so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm good yeah. for a, a chance to talk about movies. And we're talking yeah. about one of my favorites today, so I'm excited. Yeah, same here. Yeah. So uh, for people that may have remembered last episode, we talked about the next movie that we're going to do today. We're going to talk about Whiplash, which is a movie that came out in 2014, directed by Damien Chazelle. I think that's how you pronounce his name i think so uh he he also because i was like he's a french american director or he's just well french american in general and i was like <laughs> it's not chazel because that just sounds really bad but like if you're french everything kind of just sounds elegant so i was like it's got to be chazelle <laughs> so I, i'm just gonna go with damien chazelle I, th- um, I think that's but how he also was. directed yeah yeah so good i i'm glad that i nailed that um he also directed very well-known movie uh, La La Land and First Man, uh, both of those movies starring Ryan Gosling as well. This movie in particular, though, stars Miles Teller, J.K. Simmons, Melissa Benoit. I feel like that's – is that how you – Benoit? Benoit. Benoit? I believe okay. it is Benoit. She plays Supergirl right now. And then also Paul Reiser. That was um, her? Like a, yeah, that was her. I knew she looked familiar, yeah. but she wasn't blonde. So I was like, what? It yeah. took me a second to actually realize that was her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is like one of her first roles that I ever saw her in. And I fell in love with her when I first saw her. Yeah. So, um, she's great. Yeah. She's she's great. Um, but yeah, we're talking about Whiplash today. If you've never seen the movie, it's about a, it's about a guy, a kid, I guess you could say, who's in is he goes to Schaefer, which is a music school located in, in New York city. And he's studying to be a drummer. And he's basically just dragged through the ringer by JK Simmons, character who pushes him to the absolute edge of insanity. Um, this movie's crazy, which for me, I'll start off by saying this was the first like indie movie that I ever saw. Like I, I grew up on blockbuster. Sorry, words are hard today. Blockbusters. So like, that's just kind of like how I always saw movies as. Like, I never really saw them as like smaller productions or anything like that. And I don't know. I guess that's just that's on me or you know whoever showed me movies growing up. But um, yeah, this was like the first big indie or indie that I ever really got into. Um, 
and I'm, I absolutely love this movie. Um, but first off, I want to get your guys' impressions. Um, Alex, I'll start with you. I want to, cause you, you know, you said that this is one of your favorite movies, uh, and we've never talked about it before, but you obviously, you reached out to me and, and you were like, Oh dude, I want to talk about whiplash. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on the movie. And you just watched it last night again. Yeah. Whiplash to me is a, you know, it's, it's funny in, in some ways, it's probably the most accurate retelling of my experience with like not competitive music, but I, when I was in high school, I was in like jazz band and, uh, you know, wind ensemble and like these like pretty big productions. We went to like different States to play in competitions. It was huge. Um, and I was rather shit at trombone. Um, I'd like to think I was pretty (laughs) decent, but I was actually pretty shit. And so, uh, but what what I went through and kind of the the same mental um, abuse, for lack of a better term, I went through is at a much lesser degree. It very much reminds me of that. And I think some of the depiction of the repetition that um, uh, that musicians, especially within um, like conservatory music go through it is i felt like it was pretty accurate again i didn't really get that far into yeah. it but you know to me whiplash really just speaks to a very personal like part of me and so i've always gravitated to it one thing that really threw me last night is i i started watching it and i noticed like 2014 i was like i could have sworn this came out in 2018 i hate time this isn't fun let's go back <laughs> yeah 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 i mean yeah it, it, <clears throat> when i thought about it too i was like man this movie came out like 2014 really isn't that long ago but it feels like forever to go and i remember when i saw this movie i was living with a couple of friends who i grew up with uh and we were living about like a mile away from like a very small theater that's located like on the waterfront Um, there's like a bunch of like shops and restaurants there and it's like a super, it's like a super small theater. So it only shows like two or three movies like a week or whatever. And I was like, Oh, you know, I don't remember if it was like social media or whatever, but I was like, Oh, I keep hearing about this movie. I liked miles Teller. Um, I remember seeing him in some other movies, uh, before this one. And then I was like, yeah, I'll check it out. And then I just remember walking out of the theater. It was like, Holy shit. Like that was that was an experience. Um, (laughs) and yeah, I mean, I kind of, I'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but I also kind of experienced like a similar, I don't want to call it abuse, but almost kind of like a push when I was in audio engineering school. And I, you know, we'll, we'll get into it, but like, it's almost interesting because it's like, is it, is it, is it the push for, um, is it the push for greatness or is it like, is it actually abuse? And I guess like for a lot of different people, it's, it's, you can probably interpret this movie in one way or another. And I always kind of see it as like, you can push someone to the point of them being great, but should you actually do it? You know what I mean? Um, And so that's kind of how I've always seen this movie. Um, Ben, this is your first time seeing this movie. Yep. And I wanted to hear specifically about what you thought, because I, you know, like this came out a few years ago, but you haven't seen it yet. And I remember you text, you texted me and Jake last night. Jake's our friend, um, who's a huge fan of this movie as well. And you were 
in love with it. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Yeah, I um, it's it's funny watching this movie because growing up, like my, I I was in a band. I wasn't in band. I was like yeah. act, like, but I was in a punk band. So we weren't, you know, we weren't we didn't necessarily need perfection, especially in uh, a place where it's. You know, it's super loud. It's distorted. You know, you can get away with more stuff. And I, I was also a bass player. So, you know, I always got crap because it's just like, oh, you don't yeah. you could just not play. And it's and I think from a personal standpoint is I took that as a challenge and like I wanted to be heard. I didn't want to just play like rhythm spots. So like to see like I pushed myself to get to that point. But I understand that at the same time, like. Like, obviously, what what they were showing is an extreme. You never want to get to that point where you're throwing chairs at people. There's other ways to go about it. But, like, seeing that aspect of it is very interesting. Because it's, it's also, like, because now you obviously know that, like, I love to cook and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, Bree, my partner, she, like, she used to work in a kitchen. And it's the same thing. Like... Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if either of you have seen Burn before, the one with uh, Bradley Cooper, but it's no, no, it's very much like that same type of vibe where it's just like uh, things getting thrown, you know, a lot of people cursing, like just all this stuff and just like a lot high of like, stress. Yeah, yes, yeah. super high stress because those people like that is their life's work. And um, and I was telling you last night, like how I felt about this movie and how I feel about this movie is it's it feels like the uncut gems of (laughs) the music industry. Like, it's just, you know, you have the instance of him just racing to get there. He gets hit, you know, all that stuff. But I yeah, I love this movie. I think it's it's great. And um, just to know that uh, uh, Miles Teller, like. I believe he recorded like 40% of those tracks like blew my mind. Um, Especially like, I don't know how much he did of the the ending, but like being at least somewhat attuned to rhythm and beat and stuff like that to the amount of like love and care that you can see that they put into this movie. Like, man, it was, it was a rush, but even, (laughs) even Brie was like, like when, I'm trying to think at what part she kind of came in. She came in at the part where it was, I think it was when it was like the three of them trying to do those drums and she almost couldn't watch because she was saying how high stress that was for her. But it was interesting to see her watch the rest of the movie because by the end, like unlike uncut gems, like there's a sigh of relief by the end of this because you see him just, you know, saying like, you know what? I got this. And then just kind of taking it. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk about the ending a little bit more, but um, yeah, it's, it, 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 it can be interpreted a lot of different ways. It's almost like, is this someone kind of losing their humanity to the craft or is it someone kind of getting the last word, I guess you could say, and like the biggest fuck you to the person who's abusing you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, the the beginning of this movie I really enjoy because I feel like uh, Miles Teller's character Andrew Naiman I feel like at that point he's a first year like this is his first year in in music school at Schaefer um, he he you can very well see he has like kind of no confidence like at all whatsoever 
Um, you know, there's people, his other bandmates are talking shit about him behind his back and he even knows it, but he's just like, I, I guess, you know, like he just kind of accepts the fact that like people don't really like him very much. And, you know, just to kind of see, I, it's almost like, it's weird to me because at the beginning of the movie, it's almost like he doesn't really care about drumming, but you see throughout the movie that he does, he's like very much in love with music because, you know, he's constantly listening to like great jazz players from the past. Um, you know, he's watching videos of like him as a kid and his dad was taking videos of him playing as a drum and, or playing drums. And, like just kind of seeing that there is love there for the music. And I think that maybe towards the end of the movie, it's almost like, do you achieve, are you achieving like total love for the, you know, like the thing that you have worked so hard for, or is it like you're slipping away from everything else and that's all that matters. You know what I mean? Um, and I guess it can be, it can be interpreted a, a bunch of different ways. Um, I, I, I was going to talk a little bit about my experience um, where when I was in recording uh, uh, engineer audio engineering school, I had a similar situation where a lot of things that go on in engineering is very confidence based. Like you're you're running a whole session, you're checking levels for the guitars, checking levels for bass, drums, the vocals, making sure everything's running well. Make, making sure everything's patched for, you know, the, the soundboard and everything like that, setting up all the mics on all the instruments, you know, you every, almost every single piece of drum, like every single piece of the drum set has its own mic. So you have to make sure it's all set up. You have to make sure you're using the right mic, just a total shit show, but like, it's fun when it works. <laughs> um, but one of my final projects at school was actually running like a whole session and I can't tell you how stressful that was because it's just me in the the studio uh in the studio room with my instructor who is was a very like understanding person but just kind of him walking me through he's you know he's like giving me instructions and I have to like complete them and I'm like losing confidence because like I'm so nervous and I guess in in terms of of, of relating to this is like he was just flat out honest i i actually like almost didn't pass my final in college uh and he was just like flat out honest with me he was like listen if because he you know during the session i was like fucking things up and he was just like you fuck this up you know what i mean like just kind of it, it wasn't like the same level of abuse as you know, uh, Fletcher's or JK Simmons's character, Fletcher, you know, in terms of him, like trying to push Andrew to like greatness and things like that. But for me, it was like, you know, fuck, like I had no confidence going in, but I had spent all this time studying for this thing. So I was like, I felt like I could pull it off and I, I barely scraped by, you know what I mean? Like, and it was just like him being honest with me at the end, you know, even during that whole super stressful studio session that we had, you know, where he was getting angry, I guess you could say, or just trying to push me, you know, um, to like do the right thing or, you know, do what I studied. And he was just honest with me. He's like, if, if you don't have the confidence to do this, you're, you're not going to make it. And I was like, 
you know, I, I get it. <laughs> like I, I really have never been put in a really high tension situation like that before where not only am I like responsible for a whole studio session, but also like my grade kind of depends on this whole thing. So, you know, it's just like, I, I can kind of relate to, to Miles Teller's character where it's like, you don't want to fuck up because you don't want everyone to think that you're a fuck up. You know what I mean? And just like seeing him like push himself more and more and more to the point where it's like his hands are bleeding, you know, like the, the fucking calluses on his fingers are like constantly open and like his hands look all, all pale and just like, there's just no life to them anymore, you know? But that's just because he's constantly pushing himself to, to reach the greatness that Fletcher thinks that he can reach. But there's also a point there where it's like, where, where do you draw the line between the person and the craft? You know what I mean? Like JK Simmons character almost doesn't even really look at Andrew as like a person. He's just kind of like a, an object. And like, it's just another thing for him to perfect because at the beginning of the movie, when Andrew goes to his, um, I guess you could say, what would you want to call that? Like, what kind of would that be like a rehearsal? Well, uh, it would be more of like a like a capstone class, right? I mm, guess you could say, yeah. which is like that's like the higher up, you know, like the higher grade of class that you could take for whatever specific uh, subject. Um, so when he goes to that class and he sees how he treats everyone else, and everyone's just like submissive, like they're not even people. You know what I mean? Like they're nothing to to Fletcher. They're really just like a a means to an end almost. They're almost so. like they're almost like soldiers in a sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, as soon as he like, gets in the room, it's like attention. Like yeah, yeah everyone's so. super submissive. Yeah. So it's like, where do you draw the line between human beings and you know the thing that you're trying to to perfect? So, uh, Alex, I I want to hear kind of like. I want to hear about your first time watching this movie. Like, what was because you were kind of talking about like going through band in high school and I don't know if you played band in college or, you know, whatever, but um, I kind of want to hear like, what was your first time like seeing this movie and like, how did you kind of process that whole situation and how did it relate to you at the time? Yeah. When I, when I first watched it, I, I definitely got flashbacks. Um, I, I think one of the interesting things is like I go through and I like rewatching the movie. I noticed things like when he was getting when they were flipping the three drummers for like the double time swing breakdown where like every they're yeah. all just failed. They all were actually playing an like they were all actually pulling it off. What Fletcher was trying to do is break them all so that you know they were more submissive, like you were like you were saying. Um, what was interesting for me the first time I I really first time I watched this was it was just like taking a like obviously an overly exaggerated look just into the experience of um, you know music I went through. Um, I went to a school out here in um, the Seattle area, Newport High School, and we had you know a pretty strong jazz competition uh, band. Like they would go to different areas. Our one of our uh, my my freshman year, the trombonist uh, in our senior year class went and played at the Grammy Jazz Band. Like like a phenomenal music program. Only like 
you know, second to uh, another school out here, uh, Garfield and another school, uh, Roosevelt. They really good jazz um, system. But we had a, a director who was, you know, in a way militant, like just wanted absolute perfection. And granted, there is a nature to that with music, obviously, like you can't be bad and be be up there because <laughs> like out of like the out of tune thing um, that Fletcher does where it's just like, you know, he, he has a point where he says, like, if you don't know that you're out of tune, that's a problem. Or if you're purposely playing out of tune, that's a problem. The, the, the hyperbole there is that as you play more and more, your instrument slowly progressively gets more and more out of tune and you have to retune as you play. It's why when you're watching like bands on stage, like they'll constantly be tuning in between sets. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's like there's obviously these hyperbolic. It's like two. It's like two beats into a um but it was like two beats into the first uh uh the first um playing of the day so i i get that uh, for me it was just like it was this weird like kind of tunnel vision thing where i just kept watching these these situations unfold obviously overly exaggerated to like the nth degree right but for me yeah. it was like i was reliving these very weird um, situations like when I was a, a senior and it was very clear like to everyone in my class like I wanted to go to school and I wanted to to I wanted to go into music education because uh, music and ed are like two of my biggest passions uh, but I I remember I I had I have always had trouble reading rhythm um, I can hear music and play it more than I can read music and play it um, yeah. so I'd always had trouble reading music and one of the things that I remember he wanted me to play something and I couldn't. And he just like said in front of the entire class, like I, I think it was like 60 people because it was like a combined class. It was just like, oh, you'll you'll never make it. And I was just like, oh, that's cool. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, that's great. This is high school. Right? Thank you for the confidence. Music closet. Give me a sec here. I'm just going to shuffle on <laughs> over. But like that definitely, um, you know, and, and to uh, to his credit, he was right. Here I am. I work in uh, data analytics and visualization i have no <laughs> no no skill to be uh, a music teacher but it's more of like to hear that from someone you respect and someone you you want that that recognition from it's that it's that hard thing but at the same time like there needs to be this brutal honesty within arts right because mm -hmm. There are people who do it for like just a hobby. Like I have a guitar hanging right here. I love to play guitar. I'm rather shit at guitar. Um, I know that, <laughs> um, but I'm yeah. not. I'm not going to go up on stage and play in a concert, right? You need people yeah. to come out and say, "Hey, maybe this isn't your calling." Not in a negative way, just to say, like, "This isn't your. You're not. You know, you're not Dave Grohl. You're not. <laughs> you know, you're, you're not Carlos Santana. You're not like the." best of the best right and so yeah there's this aspect of music um you know especially at the higher levels to say that like it is for lack of a better term the cream of the crop when you get into those conservatories and i, I think that that's that's the hardest thing and like you were saying like there's this fine line between encouragement and abuse and it really rides a fine line within um high stress situations much like cooking so yeah yeah, like the food industry, like my wife and I, we watch uh, Hell's Kitchen like every season, right? Mm -hmm. Like obviously a lot of that is like very dramatized, you know, just for the, the, the memes. But like I can't 
imagine kind of being in that situation where it's like someone's reading a ticket and they're like, make this, make this, make this, make this, make this. And you have to remember that. It's not like you get like a cheat sheet in front of you and you're like, oh yeah, what the fuck am I supposed to make again? Like you have to remember those things. And like, if you don't and you're behind or someone else is relying on you or waiting for you to like complete something in the kitchen, like you're just fucking up everything, you know, like that alone kind of just thinking about that kind of situation just sounds like it sounds way too much for me to even handle. So like when I'm watching hell's kitchen, I'm just like, there's no fucking way I can do shit. Yeah. Like it's, this. it's That's funny that you mentioned that how like those two definitely do correlate because like yeah. when you're in the kitchen, when you're in the band, like it's not just you, it's, you it's are a, whole a team. huge yeah. part of this team. And if you're not doing your job, you're slowing down everybody else, which yeah. is now stressing out the chef or you're stressing out, you know, <clears throat> your director, yeah. whatever it would be. So it's, it is funny to kind of see how that does cor- uh, correlate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I actually played tuba in high school, uh, in my high school band. I, I went to a very small school where like they were scraping the bottom of the barrel to try to get people to play in the band. And I was like, fuck it. Like, whatever. Um, I'll play tuba. And I would always, I would practice. Like I would practice as, you know, I wouldn't, it wasn't like the most passionate thing I was, you know, into at the time, but I was just like, I'll do the work. I'll practice. I'll, play Pirates of the Caribbean in front of every mom. Hell and fucking, yeah. you know, well, Cause that's just a summer. banger. Like that's a certain, yeah, yeah. I'm like an absolute banger. Like, I give hope me, you still know how deep... to play that. Oh, not at all. But like, <laughs> give me the deep parts, give me the deep parts and I'll cue everyone in and then, you know, we'll go off or whatever. But, um, like there were some times there and my band teacher, she was not, I, she, she loved music, but she was not someone who was like, this has to be absolutely perfect because you know what? She got what she got in terms of like people who were in the band. Like no one wanted to play band at my school, but so like, she just kind of had to like roll with the punches in terms of like, uh, you know, people's skill and stuff like that. And a lot of the times there were some times where I was like, what the, like, like what song are we playing? And I just play random shit and I'd pull it off. Like, you know, it's, I'm like. But it's also funny to me because, like, I was also one of the loudest instruments because it's the fucking tuba. And I would just pull it off and, like, kind of pull it out of my ass and be like, woof, we got got through that one, boys. Like, you know, um, and I just don't miss those kind of situations, you know, and the and things of like think of like being in being in like a New York city, whatever orchestra band or whatever jazz band, like a really well, like you cannot make shit up. You know, well, um, jazz is a little interesting because half of jazz is like literally make it up on the spot. Yeah, but I get exactly. what you mean. And I think one of the things also that adds to the tension of whiplash. Right. So you see and, and I don't know if you guys know how like jazz ensembles are constructed. Right. So you have first chair, second chair, third chair, fourth chair of your saxes, um, your trombones and your trumpets right so there's a there's a possibility to kind of cover minor mistakes across those um ensemble sections the rhythm section is literally three people a bass a rhythm guitar and a fucking drum set those people do not get cover so when he when you see like they drive the soul of that ensemble and so there's the added stress that him fucking up literally can send the entirety of their their uh their song into complete disarray because yeah. they're the backbone they're 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 ostensibly everything su- supporting that 
that musical piece. And so there's that added tension as to like him being a drummer really sells it far more than him being like first trombone or first trumpet, right? You're you're going to be the person to stand up there and solo over a bunch of bars and make shit up on the spot, right? It's not as yeah. it's not as tense as someone whose literal job is to make sure that that beat at the top, that quarter note equals whatever the the beats per minute is that yeah. that's your job and that's that is a stressful job for sure yeah yeah i mean like well think of like in the movie where he where andrew finally comes in and he's sitting in the you know the uh backup chair for the drummer and they're playing their song and he you know uh fletcher stops everyone from playing he's like someone's out of tune we i know we already talked about this but think about that like you can't at that sort of level you can't really hide it you know what i mean like you can't hide it within the first second or third or fourth chair because someone who's attuned to music and who's been doing it forever is going to know that you're out of tune so the fact that like that person who didn't even know they were out of tune and the one guy that didn't even know he was in tune he was like you know he's just getting screamed at he's just told to get the fuck out um that's just like another really high stress situation that like just sounds very unpleasant <laughs> exactly um, oh, the whole thing is just like one unpleasant roller coaster yeah, yeah it, it starts exactly. at a high point and it never gets high again it's just all downhill <laughs> the best part of the movie yeah. is when he goes to the movies with his dad and then it's all downhill from there <laughs> <laughs> that was his happiest moment it is interesting um, seeing how they try to humanize fletcher though like when yeah. you see him talking to his friend and then like talking to his little girl being like oh you want to you're gonna join my band someday right you'll be the uh, piano player or when he finds out like that one of his old musicians uh had passed away and he it, i can't tell it necessarily in this movie if it I, it was confirmed that the musician killed himself right? yes yeah that was okay. yeah. That, yeah he hanged himself yeah like that type of stuff it's like you're trying to show that this person can be a human sorry yeah definitely on that yeah but yeah and but like it's just like he lived in that moment and then it was right back at it it's just like yeah okay i you know i've felt this emotion i've shared this with my my class now let's get back to this and i believe that right after that is when they make the the them he tries to break the drummers right yeah yeah and i guess i it's hard to it's hard to really say is that humanity though because like we were talking about it with jake last night um texting and jake was like it's almost like he only wanted to highlight the guy's talent and not really that person themselves right. you know? mm-hmm. like let's not remember the person but let's remember the talent that they had and it's it's kind of like is he only humanizing because of the talent or you know is it even genuine you know what i mean yeah um or is it uh, the other thing that i was thinking too is is he using that pain that he has whether it is over that talent or that person to harness it onto those three drummers like this is how i'm feeling right now and you're gonna get Mm. this and you know it's actually a really interesting way of looking at it yeah that way so so yeah, um, that whole spot yeah. is like uh, it's it's super interesting. It's 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 kind of like uh, what you were saying, Alex, about like I was noticing that he was most of the like most of the time the drummers were like on beat, 
So when they have that conversation um, at, uh, what is it? There's like a bar or like like a jazz restaurant or yeah, something. Yeah, they're at like a jazz lounge, yeah. When he's having that conversation about pushing people to their limits, I looked at it like, was was Miles, was Miles Teller, was Andrew, like, was he doing everything on time? Was he doing everything co- correctly? But Fletcher knew that he could do it better. So, like, he's just going to keep railing him and make sure, like, he's going to see, will he break? I think it's a little of both. I think, ultimately, I think he was rushing, like, when he does the the slap thing, which is, you know, coming into this movie, and and, and I think the physical part was the most, like, jarring to me, because I don't think you would ever see that, right? Where he, like, the, the verbal abuse and the, you know, the veiled... Uh, homophobic homophobic rhetoric that he used all that stuff you know that's unfortunately really that's that stuff i experienced that's common um at least from the time that i went to college and back in high school you know in the early 2000s uh dating myself there um but he (laughs) uh you know that that kind of physical abuse where he's like he's like count it out like one two three four one two three four and he's like am i rushing or am i or, or am i dragging and like Granted, he was rushing a bit, most likely at that point. Um, I think ultimately one of the things to note is that people naturally rush. Like that's a that's a hard thing to actually hold back. Uh, but one of the things that I just found really interesting about you know that scene is it reminds me of like so I'm a huge soccer fan. I'm a huge huge soccer fan, and so I, I watch Manchester United pretty religiously. And one of the things that our team did this past off season is we brought in another player to play in a position where we were, where our player who is really good was kind of not performing to expectations. And that is a really common thing within any type of, um, skilled, uh, the skilled work kind of for lack of a better term, uh, where they'll bring in someone to kind of push that person right he went from you know one of our most mediocre players his name luke shot like and now he's like a stalwart at defense and in attack and it's just a you know this huge paradigm shift for him but it's because we brought in someone to kind of push him which i think is a natural thing to say like hey i know you can be better i'm going to push put someone in here who's going to make you compete with them to get you to to the point of which i see you fletcher's methodology of doing that is completely fucked but the way the thing that <laughs> yeah. he did is not that uncommon in any kind of situation like that, at least from what I've seen. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it even within like corporate jobs like, hey, you know, I know you can do better. I'm going to bring someone else in to do this part of the project. And then you see, oh, no, I can do that better. I'm just going to do it on the side and then bring it and say, hey, look, this yeah. is what I did. Like, yeah, no, that's <clears throat> now that you mention it. Like, yeah, that's that's something I've seen dozens of times mm-hmm. you know like just it, it's just motivation really it's it's it, I, I i i can't tell if it's sometimes it's they the person who's kind of in charge of everything has no faith in you or if it is that they do have faith in you and they just want to push you to your potential right um but one specific relationship that i wanted to talk about this in this movie was andrew and his dad um and the the thing that I notice is that his dad never really asks him about his drumming. 
um, like ever. And when I think he's at his like uncle's house, his aunt, aunt and uncle's house and his cousins are there and they're, uh, you know, they're talking about, oh, yeah, I threw like a 95 yard touchdown, whatever this last weekend. And everyone's like, oh, that's so rad. And then when Andrew's talking about, you know, his drumming, everyone's like, oh, that's cool. You know, like that's that's interesting. Um, it, it's almost like he Andrew didn't get kind of the reassurance at that specific conversation. And then at that, at that, after that point, all the only person's opinion that mattered was Fletcher's. You know what I mean? Even if it was just like super abusive and over the top, it, that didn't matter to him because I think that Andrew knew that if he wanted to be great, he's going to have to, 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 basically kind of let go of everything and his dad was never gonna his dad was never gonna be the one to kind of push him you know what I mean and you know you can kind of see it in a lot of other scenes where it's where his dad's like why are you doing this to yourself like why why is this such like a huge thing for you and it's kind of like it's kind of like it doesn't mean a lot to you because you kind of never invested in it you know what I mean um and you know, at the end there, at the, the the very end of the movie, when he's doing, you know, he's doing the thing, he's, you know, he's playing his heart out. He's, you know, going straight madman, straight sicko mode. He's bibbity bobbiting, um, you know? Yeah. He, and his dad is looking off to the side of the stage and it, it his it's not a smile. It's almost like a shock. And you know, Jake, Jake and Ben and I were talking about it last night and, and Jake was saying that it's almost like his dad's noticing that he no longer has humanity and that he's this is he's consumed by drumming at this point. And but to me, it's almost like his dad's kind of realizing that, oh, this is the potential that he did have. But I just never I never encouraged him or pushed him to get to this point. But someone else had to do it. Um I don't know if that's a healthy relationship to have with your dad uh, because, you know, uh, Andrew Naiman's character or Andrew Naiman's dad in this movie is a single dad. He didn't grow up with a mom. So like the only opinion that he ever really got was from his dad and his dad kind of, you know, um, when he gets in the car accident and uh, when they're doing the rehearsal and he, you know, had, he had to get a rental car to get to the rehearsal and then he gets in the car accident because he's late it's almost like his dad's very is baby in him, you know, he's like, but I understand it from a parent perspective where it's like your, your child is pushing themselves in a very unhealthy direction to kind of appease someone. And they're not taking a step back and looking and going, Oh, this person's actually like super abusive. Like, um, you know, the, the Andrew's not looking, Andrew's not taking the time to kind of look at it that way. But his dad is because his dad sees like how far his son is is willing to go to achieve perfection. And then when he finally realizes that at the end of the movie, it's kind of like, a oh, this is what he's capable of. But I also do kind of look at it in the same way that Jake does, where it's like, oh, like he has no humanity anymore because he's he's let himself go into greatness i guess you could say mm-hmm. like it, 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 you can really honestly interpret that ending any way you want where it's like i 
you know, you don't know if he's going to end up in an alley in like four years, you know, uh, drunk and full of heroin. Like they were talking about some of the greats, you know, Charlie Parker past. Yeah. Past jazz drum drummers. And it, at that point it, it can be either way. Like maybe he has a successful career at that point, or maybe he just completely descends into madness. So I guess I kind of want to hear what you guys thought about that relationship with, with Andrew and his dad. Um, Ben, what did you, what did you think? Uh, so, I think that it's interesting to see like this movie is kind of also about um, perception. Like Andrew's dad is seeing this as he has this unhealthy relationship with music, but Andrew himself thinks it's just commitment. Like Mm -hmm. this is, this is his look at success. Um, So when you're having that dinner table conversation and Andrew has to repeat himself twice. Like he, yeah. he lets them know like the, that he is now the, the, is it called the core? Is that what mm-hmm. they, they call yeah, it? Yeah. He's a part of the core band. Yeah. 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 And, um, but when his cousin or whoever it is comes in and says that he's playing football, like he straight up, straight up calls him out and he's like, you're like your third string. Like who I, <laughs> no, I'm, he's like your division three. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like interesting because I think at that point, is when you start to see uh, him having the confidence, the confidence yeah. that potentially like his dad doesn't have because his dad, he when he first introduces his dad to Fletcher, he says that he's a writer. And then when Fletcher questions him, he's like, well, he's he's a teacher like he, yeah. he like he's trying to he's trying to like be nice. I don't know how you want to say it, like be nice to his dad or, or whatever. But um yeah, like this whole thing is just about how do you like how do you perceive this like jazz? Uh, you know, you kind of hear is I'll say like a dying art kind of like not a lot of people just listen to jazz like in their off time. Yeah. So uh, you know that his family just doesn't doesn't understand. They don't understand. Yeah. yeah. Like they don't understand like how much work that you have to put into this. Like his cousin or I don't know if that's what he is. I just have to assume that's his cousins because like I I just I thought they were like his aunt and uncle. Like you're division three. Like you obviously haven't put in the work to get to, um, you know, the top versus him. He's he's literally putting it all in. Like at the beginning of the movie, you just see him doing the same beat. And then you see him progressively doing it over and over and over throughout the rest of this movie because he wants to be great. And yeah. um, and versus his dad, you kind of see him. He's settled. He he hasn't written anything or anything like that. And, you know, his like we don't know anything about his mom. So it was like super interesting to kind of see uh, like all his dad wants to do with him is like sit and and watch a movie like that's kind of where the movie sort of ended well besides the the very end but like that's kind of where their relationship was is that they were just sitting on the couch eating popcorn and it wasn't until Fletcher like who I would assume he now sees as a father figure reached out to him and be like hey man like I see you as being great like I've never had my star drummer my star player and like i want you to join this band and versus his dad almost kind of was just being like "Eh, you'll be fine like work at a movie theater or or whatever it is you know what i'm saying um 
so just like, settle essentially. yeah yeah just exactly like settle for whatever yeah so it's like it's it's interesting to see like you have your real father who's just saying just settle but then you have a father figure now who's saying you can be better than this like yeah. you don't need to listen to everything and even uh andrew when he was just like i don't need friends like he straight up broke it off with his girlfriend he's like this is exactly how it's gonna yeah. go they went on one date he's like i i kind of watched their relationship throughout the movie they went on one date she texted him hey can i come over when you come back and then he broke up with her like the next time you saw her and i was like like what the fuck i was like that's yeah. a really fast relationship yeah it's just like it's like is it dedication is it uh is it being unhealthy or uh you know is it like you just know what you want to do and you don't need anybody to tell you anything different yeah yeah yeah, and I guess one thing that you were saying in terms of like Fletcher being a possible father figure, I don't know if a father figure would purposely sabotage you, <laughs> but it's also like, it, it's so hard to interpret. It's like, is it deliberate sabotage or it's, or is it like, let's see what you can do. And then can he I, just can't, you know, he, he still can't keep up, you know, even without the music. And then um, obviously the last the one minutes, thing I so. want to say about that is so at at the end when Fletcher says I know it was you I kind of took that in two ways I I sort of took it as like obviously like he knows that he ratted on him and now he like Doesn't got him out of the job, job anymore you know yeah but I also kind of took it as I knew you were going to be the player that I want you to be. I knew you are going to be that that top guy. Yeah. So I I thought that was sort of interesting, but once again, it like I said it has to do with perception. Like is he trying to sabotage him or is he trying <laughs> to finally is he trying to toss the what is it the symbol at his head, the final symbol yeah. at his head for him to finally snap into it and be like I got this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Alex, what did, how did you interpret kind of that father-son relationship throughout the movie that uh, i was talking about i think there's a subtle in in and maybe insanity is the wrong word but there's a subtle insanity to how musicians artists people with a craft approach their work that people who aren't within that same um sphere what the fuck is that bottle <laughs> <laughs> it was just a it's just a gallon of water don't worry i'm very thirsty go ahead <laughs> Okay. Hey, so is the internet Thank this you for weekend. It out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's there's a subtle insanity that if you aren't in it, like there is it just to an outsider, the idea of sitting in a practice room for eight hours practicing the, the exact same four beats over and over and over and over and over. It's it, it, it harkens back to that Einstein. Hey, what's the definition of insanity? It, doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. But yeah. with music, that's actually how you get better. And so there's a part of it where it's like, hey, to an outsider, it definitely seems weird. Why is it important that you're in core band? That doesn't sound that great. I threw a 95-yard touchdown pass. That sounds great. Both are impressive things. One is more accepted by society. One isn't. I think that that's part of it. And then one thing I think that actually, and I, and I debate on how to articulate this, but for lack of a better term, I think Andrew is on the spectrum. 
there's so much about the way that he goes about and 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 i say this because i've had experience working with kids who who have had autism or not had autism who have autism and asperger's um my cousin uh has it um cousin nephew i don't fucking know what those mean but you you guys do (laughs) i get it um but what what i see there is there's a where he says i don't need friends and i'm like that's not i don't know because every time i've been in an ensemble those people were my friends like we commiserated together we 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 were able to relate like hey those specific bars they fucking suck or you know like hey like this is this is a difficult part let's work on it together right like there is that camaraderie so i find it very strange that he's like i don't need friends i don't need this and the very um i would say mechanized way he relates with people and talks to people definitely gave me that vibe i could be completely wrong but there's definitely things um that that signify that to me and it was this obsession over specific things um uh and and his his hyper focused uh nature that also speak to that um and so that's why i think that maybe there's a he he there's some sort of him that's on that spectrum um because it just it it would make a lot of sense especially the way that he he just talks so matter-of-factly um as if he has no filter which i think is really really true in this movie um even on their first date he says something about well why did you choose that that school and he says it and he's like oh are they not the best like like in this very and she was like no that's just the school i got into like a very weird like off-putting conversation and granted it's a first date those are always like a little weird but the way that he interacts with people is very um like i said very mechanized in some ways and so to, to back to your your point about the way that his dad looks at him I, I think definitely his dad is the kind of the allegory of settling like hey just take what you can get be happy be safe and there's also the aspect of he's his father like no parent as a parent i can say like hey that wouldn't be cool to see right to see my kid go through that and i wouldn't I wouldn't say that there's anything I I took the scene with his dad talking to the person to say, hey, you should tell your story as a as a parent just saying, hey, maybe my kid getting T-boned by a semi on the way to an inconsequential band um, thing doesn't make sense. I, I feel like his dad would probably react the same way going to a football game. Yeah. Right. So like there's in, in, in some ways there's that. Um, I think that it's also a. I think what he what he was seeing was the death of his son in a way when he was looking through and seeing his his son play both Ed, like as a person but also he was also seeing like like you, like you guys were saying like the true like who he is and the the actual skill set he has and just how far Fletcher pushed him. I don't know if I agree that the I know it was you is about I think it evolves into I know you can do it because his tone and like there they become more symbiotic when he's like doing the lower and higher and they um, like that whole thing. Um, it, it definitely becomes where uh, it becomes where Fletcher like understands. Okay, cool. He he can do it. We're good. Like that that whole 
bit changes but i think when he comes up he was he was looking to sabotage him it was pure revenge because i think mm-hmm. fletcher is a person who lives out of spite it's it's out it's yeah. that simple yeah you it's definitely like- see that uh at the be at the beginning too like yeah. he's he's connecting with him he's like what does your mom do uh what does your dad do and he literally holds that little bit of information just to sabotage him as soon as he starts fucking up on drums. Well, it's like an insult, you know. Yeah. Like he's holding that information to, to he needs something to insult. He needs ammunition. Him. Yeah. yeah, like he needs ammunition. It's like, um, you know, like when he was making like those homophobic, you know, insults towards the other backup drummer. It's like, what the fuck? Like, Jesus Christ! Like that's just so over the top and so unnecessary and wrong. And it's like, yeah, I mean. There's a lot of different the, the thing about this movie is that I feel like depending kind of like on life events, like you can really kind of interpret it any way you want. Like it there's really no right interpretation, I feel like. You know, like we've all like we've talked about at the beginning of the, the show, like we've all kind of had similar experiences with music or other high tension situations, and it's like it all kind of feeds off one another. It doesn't really matter if it's music or not. And so just kind of seeing someone push themselves or be pushed in an unhealthy way is alarming. You know, like there's a lot of things in life that I want to do. There's a lot of things in life that I want to be good at, but I also don't want someone to abuse me to get to that point. I want to get there by myself at my own pace, you know, with people that I can trust people that I, can rely on to kind of push me in a healthy way to get there. Whereas Andrew has never had any of that at all whatsoever. Right. So like he's constantly trying to look for some sort of like something to push him. And unfortunately it's Fletcher. Cause it's like, he doesn't have like his dad's just not going to do it. And you know, his, his girlfriend, like she's interested, but you know, like, she doesn't really fully understand the extent either. And like his cousins and his aunt and uncle, like they don't understand the extent of like what goes in to be a great drummer. So like seeing him kind of have to unfortunately take the unhealthy route of getting that motivation just really is unsettling. Like you said, Ben, it's like the uncut gems of like of music movies, I guess you could say. Um, But yeah, I, there's a couple of different little things here that I want to talk about before we wrap up. Um, so the music itself in the movie is absolutely great. Um, I know a lot of it is conducted by other, uh, past jazz players. Uh, Caravan itself is, uh, let me see here. Ellington. It is. Yep. Yeah, it's written by Duke Ellington and Juan Tizal. I don't know who that is, but I know who Duke Ellington is. And then, uh, the, I believe a lot of like the original music is written by Justin Hurwitz, mm-hmm. who also did music for La La Land. Um, and I think he might have done the soundtrack for First Man, too. I haven't listened to that soundtrack in a really long time. But, um, yeah, I, I really like the music in this movie. Like, just it was just constant music throughout the whole movie because it's a movie about music. And then, like... I don't know if you guys have ever actually been to like a jazz club or anything like that, but that is like a really good time. And I, I encourage anyone who's listening, I encourage you guys, like if you haven't gone to like a jazz club before, like that shit's like really, really fun. And I remember when I was in band in high school, we actually took 
when I was living up north, we actually took a trip down here to the Twin Cities and we went to like a jazz concert, kind of like the JVC thing at the end of the the movie. And I was like, so this is jazz, you know, it's kind of like it's a weird discovery of music jazz is where it's like it's so erratic and so like anything can happen, but it draws you in because of the uncertainty. And I don't know your guys' experience with jazz or anything like that. I I could I feel like I could never play jazz just because of, you know, like how we've talked about before. It's just like very erratic. But like what are your guys' relationship with jazz? Uh Ben, how about you? Uh so I mean, as a bass player, like when I first started out, like I've trying to learn from some of the greats like uh like Flea and um and, and some of those other guys jazz is i think it it sort of kind of came into my style just a little bit as far as like the improvisation goes but i'm not that like i'm not that skilled i really (laughs) i really have to think about it so to see um especially the drums and the speed and uh and just like how on point you have to be like it fascinates the hell out of me um and i think like la la land was the first movie that really kind of opened my eyes up to it like seeing um ryan gosling's character just be like he he took her to the jazz club and he's like this is like everybody's part like everybody steals the scene um which is also what i thought was kind of interesting uh during the the final drum scene where where andrew gets fucked over because like what i was waiting for was hoping for is when they started that song I was hoping kind of that he would just be like, okay, I hear it. And then he starts picking it up, but that's, that didn't, that's not what happened at first, but it's what happened the moment after. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, th- like, and I, I will, I'm sure we'll probably talk a little bit about the director a little bit, but I, I, I appreciate, I, I appreciate jazz. I appreciate things like La La Land and uh, I appreciate things like the movie soul and even uh watching the late show with with colbert now and him having john baptiste like it's amazing the thing that people can do just off the top of their mind and it 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 does have a lot to do with scales but some of it it's just like yeah you know it's improvising it's improvising you know different notes and all that kind of stuff and and correcting yourself so yeah uh, i'll probably get a little bit more into it i feel especially like on days i'm just trying to chill like just throwing that smooth jazz you know yeah yeah no i i definitely recommend like going to like a try to find like a concert like i don't know how many concerts we have going on around here in the twin cities right now at the moment but like going to like a jazz lounge or like a jazz concert like i definitely encourage people to, to to try it out um alex how about you like what's your relationship with jazz as a whole uh i i love jazz um but i probably come from a bit of a different perspective i played in a jazz band i've written jazz i've i've directed i've conducted a jazz ensemble like i love jazz jazz is probably one of my favorite music um musical styles outside of uh indie acoustic um i like i I listen to uh uh jobim and gilberto uh girl from epinema so like uh bossa nova um i'll listen to you know bebop which is going to be like uh, charlie parker and uh uh uh, 
some late Miles Davis, uh, listen to Duke Ellington, right? So the big band, uh, Glenn Miller. I love jazz. And I think it's probably one of the most unique. And I think jazz and modern day rock are actually very related. Um, there's a lot of aspects into how, you know, rock music and, you know, is constructed to the same way that jazz is in a lot of ways. And uh, alongside with the, the improvisation that has to happen with it. Um, I, I think jazz is the best way I can describe jazz is organized chaos, right? There's a beginning, there's an end, there's some middle bits, but the rest of it is just done um, kind of willy-nilly. Obviously, when you go a bit further back, like blues and, and big band is a lot more organized than today's jazz. Um, but I think it's one of the one of the most unique musical styles because it basically it gives you an, an opportunity as a musician to put your own creative flair on things. Um, yeah. And I think that that's just probably one of the best parts of music in general is being able to take what you know and embellish it and change it and make it yours. And so that's why probably I enjoy jazz <clears throat> probably second most, like I said, to, to indie acoustic, but I, I love it. And I love the, the caravan is probably was probably one of my favorite songs to play. Um, mainly because it actually gave the trombone to melody. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, like, and, and that's something that like, so Whiplash and La La Land are both like, I love, I love both those movies. And I think what's really interesting from Chazelle as a, um, as a director and writer is he does not write happy movies and like slight spoilers for <laughs> La La Land that does not end well as to how people think it should. It's a beautiful movie, but, but it it's does not, not sad. End well. Actually, what was hilarious is my wife doesn't enjoy that movie. So I don't think she would have enjoyed uh, uh, Whiplash. I think she would have enjoyed it a little more just simply because of the way that it, it reminded me in some ways also of like um, high stress, like we met in coffee and like, during the holidays coffee is literally just a nightmare um and it's super high stress so she might have enjoyed that part or at least maybe had a nightmare about it um <laughs> looking back on it uh but i think what's really funny is i i took her to see la la land and manchester uh by the sea right yeah uh that um casey affleck ben affleck yeah, yeah. Casey Affleck movie that was just super depressing, like two weeks in a row. And we never went to a movie again. No, um, but <laughs> they're just really sad back to back. Um, but I think what's interesting is Chazelle really writes these inspiring movies that just don't end the way that you want them to. I mean, yes, it's a happier, happier ending here than it is in La La Land in some ways, but you still someone got destroyed like both both the main characters' lives are radically changed by the end of this movie and not generally yeah. for the best. Like Fletcher's yeah. playing in a jazz lounge. And granted, like we said, that's a great place and it's super fun and it's really nice. But he went from being at a prestigious music conservatory as a director of like their top band to playing accompanying piano at a jazz lounge. Yeah. So. Yeah. Just goes to show. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> I mean, uh, and just one last thing, like the thing that I do find interesting is the movies that he writes, um, because like if you look at it, it is Whiplash and uh, no in particular order, but Whiplash, uh, La La Land, uh, Cloverfield, which I thought was uh, he wrote. He wrote some of Cloverfield. He, he wrote, wrote 10 some, Cloverfield Lane. Or, yeah, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Um, and then um, 
and then what is i almost said first the last, man first man i almost said the last man why the last man uh but <laughs> it uh it's interesting to look at all those movies as a whole because it's all almost about an abusive relationship that you can't seem to escape so that's yeah. what i'm curious on what uh kind of almost what the story of the director himself is as a writer um is this how he came to be the writer that he is like is this yeah uh because like obviously like we know like how abusive fletcher is uh 10 cloverfield lane was about uh, it's been a while but it's she's trying to escape this yeah it's like a guy who's just like way over the top yeah has a right to be over the top at, at the end of the movie when you find out the twist yeah. but and like ryan gosling in la la land is just obsessed with being uh the best jazz pianist um and then even in the first uh first man it's about him doing everything he possibly can to like get to it's the about neil armstrong yeah yeah and like and that move that movie alone like it just really gives you that perspective of like these people go through some shit and they they have like some abusive relationships either around them or with themselves which kind of like it you look at how uh fletcher and um and andrew was and it's just like some yeah. people are just happy that way some people yeah. like they appreciate the abuse that they endure endured to to get to where they are but from an outside perspective uh you know people see them as as sick yeah mm-hmm. yeah well it's funny that you say that according to his wikipedia filmmaking was chazelle's first love but he subsequently wanted to to be a musician and struggled to make it as a jazz drummer at princeton high school he said that he had an intense music teacher in princeton high school studio band who was an inspiration for the character of terrence fletcher in chazelle's breakout film whiplash yeah you so could sounds like could definitely this see that, whiplash yeah. was a very personal film for him in terms of like hey this was an experience that i also had and want to share and obviously you know a little bit different you know it was a high school band but you know like we were kind of talking about before like there's levels of abuse in any kind of level of work or whatever but um it sounds like when he went to harvard that's when he met the composer for his movies justin Hurwitz. Um, oh that's cool that's yeah, really so cool. they they were actually roommates together and that's how they they uh got together and started making movies so yeah um yeah i'll share some fun facts that i found out about this movie so uh miles teller has actually been drumming uh when he he started drumming since he was 15 Mm -hmm. uh he drummed or he performed most of the songs in the movie he did about 40 percent, like you were saying ben uh the movie was shot in 24 days which alone sounds very stressful even though the movie is very like low budget um it just sounds like shooting that in 24 days sounds like well i'm sure that you, this probably on that list but this movie he couldn't get any funding for it so it was originally a short yeah yeah yep yep and, and it wasn't until sundance i believe it is that he actually started getting funding for it and then he switched it from a 
short like 18 minute long movie to like a full-fledged feature mm-hmm. i gotta say the um, pacing in this movie is fantastic like yeah. there's uh, uh my wife and i were talking about this and she's just like i like disney movies because they're like 90 minutes it's not too long <laughs> it's like i yeah I, I, like in in to an, ex- to an extent she's right like a two-hour movie and maybe this is because I have a kid. Like two hours is a lot of time to stand still and sit down. It is. And, and so like and and sometimes that two hours doesn't feel like two hours if the pacing is right. But I feel like like the pacing was so perfect in this movie. There was never there's never downtime where there didn't need to be downtime. And I think that that's that's truly something so spectacular. But learning that this was a uh, a short at first that expanded into a full-fledged film that makes a lot more sense yeah the the jk simmons actually did star in the the short film that he did and then the person who was andrew Naiman was johnny simmons and they are not related jk simmons and johnny simmons are not related <laughs> uh johnny simmons i think he doesn't act anymore but like if you look him up like you know exactly who he is he's actually in um I think he plays young Neil in uh, Scott Pilgrim. I have Do you guys not remember who seen young that. Neil is. Okay. Need to uh, fix that, well, I know. look up Johnny Simmons. You'll, you'll, you'll know his face. Um, but yeah, he was the original Andrew name in, in the movie. Um, and Dane DeHaan was actually supposed to be Andrew name in this movie, but he turned it down. I think to play an amazing Spider-Man. I don't know. Uh, but he turned it down and then Miles Teller was cast. And then the last fun fact that I have is that JK Simmons, when Andrew, uh, comes into that, uh, rehearsal or not rehearsal, but like that jazz concert that he, like he had for school that he got in the car accident for. And like, he's at the drum set and his, and, uh, Fletcher's like, you're over, like you're done. Uh, when he tackled JK Simmons, he actually broke two of his ribs, like in real life. (sighs) So, <laughs> but they completed, they completed filming. So, but he actually broke his ribs in that scene. And I Ooh. think that was the only take that they actually had, uh, was the one that you saw. It was a good take. So, so Very at, good take. when you watch that movie again, if you ever do, you'll be like, oh, he just broke two ribs. Nice. Um, <laughs> but Alex, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on. That was a lot of fun talking about whiplash with you guys. Um, yeah, thank you. Where, where can all the lovely people find you on, on the interwebs? Uh, everyone can find me at Alex to the Andrew on Twitter. I like to shit post about video games and the Mariners. Um, and then you can <laughs> find me on a podcast called endless summer. And that is spelled N D L S S S. MMR because Endless Summer was taken by someone. Um, but we uh, we talk about Mariners. We go into depth about stats, um, about you know player profiles, uh, and then we just generally get sad and make wild wild predictions that don't come true. Like I said, Shed Long was going to be a breakout star uh, this year, and he's on the sixty day uh, injured list. So you know I, that uh, went well. Yeah. <laughs> It could hey still man, happen. Could. You're above 500. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. So. Yeah. But yeah, I um, uh, yeah, I'm 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 happy to uh, to talk movies with people. I love it. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, everyone else, thank you for listening. And as always, we do have a Discord. If you want to come into our Discord, talk about movies with the rest of our community, you can definitely do that. Uh, the next movie I think that we're talking about, Ben, 
is Army of the Dead, yep. Zack Snyder's new zombie Netflix movie. Yay! We're so excited for more Zack Snyder. I know you are, Ben, right? Oh, dude, give it to me. <laughs> give it to me. Uh, but yeah, that'll, that'll be coming out probably sooner than two weeks, just because it's a newer movie, so we'll probably talk about that right away. Uh, I think it comes out like this next week when this episode drops. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but yeah, that'll be coming out soon. And yeah, as always, we try to kind of give you a heads up on what movie is going to be next. But that's the next one. Uh, but everyone, once again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can definitely do so. My Twitter handle is Papa Drew Bear. Ben's Twitter handle is Ben Pilichinski. Ben, do you want to spell out your last name for that Twitter handle? <laughs> P-I-L-A-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I. I don't know why you changed it from get Ben PD. Cause like that was, that was the great, that was a great Twitter handle, but you also put it in parentheses on your Twitter name, which I always laugh at when I go to your Twitter profile. <laughs> I'm so popular. Uh, <laughs> and if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can definitely do so. Uh, we are at surfer screen and we have a link on there for the discord, like I mentioned. And then we also have links to everything else that we um, have going on. So Uh, If you want to go check us out on there, you can definitely do so. But as always, everyone, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you.